Boom, there it is. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited. Fangirling again. Ah, we have an awesome, awesome guest. Introduce her in just a bit. So uh, tune in. We're going to have a great time today. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome on this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. Before we jump in and chat with today's incredible guest, I just want to quickly remind everybody to please follow us on all of our social media platforms, especially on Facebook and Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Uh, and please don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is that you download the podcast. You can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A. And remember that following and sharing is a free, easy way to support the show. And and as always, I want to remind you, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. We're here to share stories, and I want to get as many voices as possible to speak here because I know that the more stories we hear, the more representation we'll have, the more others will see us and themselves, and the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right, everybody, that's my spiel. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get on to the best part of the show introduce our awesome guest. Today's awesome guest is a fellow podcaster, number one Amazon best-selling author, relationship coach, and sex-positive public speaker. She literally wrote the book on surviving jealousy, applicable no matter what your relationship style might be. So if that's something you're struggling with, here is your expert. As a coach, our guest works with people who are opening up relationships, helping them discover and set boundaries, improve communications, and recognize their self-worth and limiting beliefs, or what she calls your not-enough blocks. This incredible human has been featured in a number of publications, magazines, and so much more. She's a staff writer for the Ethical Non-Monogamy magazine. She gives workshops and speaks all over the country about non-monogamy, and she is an outreach represent representative for the Relationship Equality Foundation. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that. I could go on and on with all of her accolades, but we have an interview to do and only 30-ish minutes to do it. So without any more yammering from me, joining us today out of Alexandria, Virginia, host of the Loving Without Boundaries podcast and best-selling author of the Jealousy Survival Guide, welcome to the show, Kitty Chamblin. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you thank you so much for that incredible introduction i totally feel like a rock star now you really know how to roll out the red carpet and it is also an absolute honor and privilege to be here so thank you for asking me to talk to all of your amazing listeners it's great to be here Oh, thank you so much. You warm my heart, warm my heart. So Kitty, uh, you are an expert. I don't think I'm going to dive into like all of your backstory. I mean, it, it's obvious that you know a lot about polyamory. You've been polyamorous for however many years that it's been. Just, just how long has it been out of curiosity? Sure. Yeah. So I have been in some form of consensual non-monogamous relationship 
for about 18 years, almost two mm -hmm. decades with my husband. And I've identified as polyamorous for over a decade as soon as I found out what the word was. Right. <laughs> which That's I how it works, right? For, which is partly why I do what I do for a living, because I love to expand the awareness and the understanding mm -hmm. of the different ways that we can be in healthy relationships. So yeah, so about a decade, a decade I've identified as polyamorous. Yep. I love it. And I mean, you, like I said, you wrote the book on jealousy. So uh, what was, what was it that kind of went into that? Uh, did you have a background in psychology? Um, how did you, how did you write that book? Wow. Uh, so it's an interesting story. I would say ever since I was young, I've literally, I was reading self-help books at the age of seven. I kid you not. So, so psychology and relationships has definitely been something I've always been interested in, but mm -hmm. that wasn't my, my first career. And I've just always studied relationships, whether they were intimate relationships, whether they were friendships. And I would say that the first time I was experiencing jealousy was not in intimate relationships so much. It was more in friendships or as I was climbing the corporate ladder and I might get promoted and somebody else didn't. So I was kind of the recipient of other people's jealousy. Mm -hmm. But once I did start to identify as polyamorous and have multiple partners, I was also on the the the, the, the end of feeling the jealousy, like when right. my husband started to have other partners. And then I just was doing a lot of research in how could I manage those emotions? How do I build that emotional intelligence muscle? And I just walked the walk and talked the talk. And eventually I thought, wow, this is amazing. And why should I keep all this knowledge to myself? And it's really rewarding to me to be able to share that wealth of knowledge and I enjoy reading books to whenever I have a problem, I will read like mm. 20 books on the subject. So <laughs> to me to then turn around and write a book for this particular community that I love so much. So it's really a way to, to give back. And it started mm. out as a labor of love, but it's just been such an incredible journey to be able to share this knowledge with people. And I love when I hear people reach out and just say, oh my gosh, your book just helped me so much. And that's amazing. And it's, so it's it's been like this kind of amazing journey that I've been on with that. I love it. I, something that really stands out to me, what you were saying, is that uh, jealousy is not exclusive to our romantic or intimate relationships. You first started recognizing it in non-intimate settings in in workplaces people getting jealous about promotions and all of these other things mm -hmm. i feel like that uh that eliminates a little bit of the stigma around jealousy it kind of mm -hmm. it kind of uh uh takes away some of the sting because we can feel jealousy in other types of relationships in all kinds of situations can you tell me a little bit about how uh that might help somebody who's experiencing it in their romantic situations? 100%, yes. So I think there is a lot of shame, particularly in the consensually non-monogamous and polyamorous community about feeling jealousy or feeling envy. And I think that's a really important message to share is that 
it's just another emotion. That's the one thing I like to lead with. Just like we have anger or sadness or even grief, it's part of the human experience and, and it essentially makes us human. So mm -hmm. I really invite people to embrace their feelings, including jealousy, and to learn how to get curious about them, learn how to not be afraid of them, welcome them in like a friend, so to speak, and realize that they're giving you valuable information. You know, maybe there's a reason that you're having that jealousy, whether it's maybe some balance has gotten out of whack in your relationships, maybe uh, some, you know, boundaries have been violated that you need to possibly have a conversation with, with a partner. And and to look at it as a way to learn more about yourself and move mm -hmm. more to a place of self-mastery and self-understanding as well as self-compassion. And it's okay to Ooh. have that experience and think of it as a way to move towards more connection and more intimacy even as you can learn more about yourself and more about your partners through that, through that journey. I feel like we're going to get back to that idea of self-compassion uh, as we get into the topic that we were uh, planning to talk about today, which is telling your partner that you are polyamorous. Now, this is a, a listener request. And, uh, you know, to, to briefly summarize what this listener was saying is that they're in a currently monogamous relationship. They feel that they are poly, but they're not sure how to tell their partner about it and the things that they're going to experience from that. So uh, if someone were to come to you and just, you know, tell you that I'm monogamous right now, I'm in a monogamous relationship, but I think I'm poly and I don't know how to tell my partner. What's the first thing you're going to tell them? That's a great question. I'm, I'm so glad that you, you asked it. And I actually do work with people who are on that journey and it can be a hard place to come to. So first, I want to honor the person who asked the question, because it does take a lot of courage and guts anytime we're kind of swimming upstream in an area where we are a minority. So mm -hmm. we do live, of course, in a world where the average person walking down the street is practicing some sort of monogamy and, and grew mm -hmm. up in that world. So it, it really takes guts to say, you know what, maybe I'm a little bit different and maybe I'm ready to start acknowledging that. So first I would say to give yourself some grace and some acceptance that it's okay to get curious about that one of my clients actually said that he came out to himself first as polyamorous oh. and it took him a year just to do a lot of self-reflection and meditation and come to that place of self-acceptance around that and i thought that was a beautiful framework like giving himself permission to identify in a way that that made sense to him so i would say um, that's a great first place to seek some clarity and to uh, check in with yourself, you know, does this feel right? And to mm -hmm. allow yourself um, to do some research around that before talking to your partner. Then once you get to a place where you do have that clarity and you have some inner strength around it, maybe just a little bit of, of confidence, then I would say from that place, you can take that to, to your partner realizing that and there, there's lots of different ways we can we can walk through this but realizing that yes this might be kind of shocking information <laughs> to tell your partner mm -hmm. 
especially if you've been in a relationship that has been monogamous, whether it's for, for months or years. So to know that this could land for them as possibly scary or shocking. So, mm -hmm. so after you've given yourself some self empathy and permission to identify who you are, also to have some empathy and maybe some compassion for when you are talking to your partner, realizing that this may be a difficult conversation. Uh, so I would say yeah. just having, having that awareness first, and I'll, I'll stop there to see how that landed with you. Yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that awareness is key, absolutely. Um, you're, you're talking about going into potentially, I don't know, uh, it, it sounds like you're saying to go into maybe poly groups or start reading poly uh, books, start listening to poly podcasts, you know, all these different things to kind of get an idea uh, of what it all means and really have a full understanding of what it is to make sure that it, it actually is what you're aligning with because otherwise you might be jumping the gun and speaking on something that you're not totally sure about. Am I getting that right? I would say so. I, I've sometimes talked about it as there can be three different stages. So the first stage might be confusion. Like you're not hundred percent sure yet. Am I polyamorous or am I maybe some form of consensual non-monogamy? And I don't want to get that specific with a label. Maybe you don't even want a label yet. So doing some research to first get some clarity. Then the second stage might be surrendering to it yourself, like giving yourself permission to say, okay, mm -hmm. yes, I think this is who I am, but I still want to sit with it a little bit more because I, I don't necessarily have the language yet. And I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to talk about it yet. And then maybe the third stage I would call is when you are ready to move forward, you are ready first to tell your intimate partner. Um, mm -hmm. And then beyond that, you might think of it as layers. So you can think of it, I guess, as first you're admitting it to yourself, then one layer out, you're you're telling your, your intimate partner, and then maybe down the road, you might wanna bring it out to another layer of telling your, your friends and your family. But I would say to give yourself permission to go at a pace that um, that feels good to you and of course feels ethical right and respectful to your partner mm -hmm. right because at some point they're going to have a right to know um so um but you can meditate on that you can as, as we were talking about do some research to figure out when is the right time and and it's also okay to as you're talking to your partner say hey i i'm still figuring this out Mm -hmm. And while I'm figuring this out, I want to maintain my connection with you. I want you to know what's going on with me. If maybe I'm being pensive mm -hmm. so that you're, you're cluing them in and that way they're feeling part of the process. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. Um, I, I'm going to give away one of the secrets to my book that uh, I might probably never write. Um, but <laughs> through through all of my journaling that I that I've done, uh, it, especially this was in my Navy years, I came up with this acronym. It was IIAA. Uh, and it stood for identify, internalize, analyze, act. Mm. And so First is identifying, am I polyamorous? Am I consensual non-monogamy? Am I, you know, whatever, any myriad of these of these different labels. Um, then it goes into internalize. And so that kind of sounds like you're, we're talking about um, making it part of our identity 
and accepting, okay, this really is who I am and what I am. Then it's the, the analyze and, okay, how do I feel about that, et cetera, and so on. And finally, we can act and bring this to our partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I How's love that. that? Yeah, that's a that's a great acronym. And I love how you said bringing it part of our identity, too, because yes. some of this is like an identity claim. What yes. I, I often say to my clients is we can evolve and change over the course of our lives. God willing, we live long enough. Right. Um, <laughs> so we don't necessarily have to be the same person that we were 10 years ago, 20 years mm -hmm. ago. So, so much of this is is giving ourselves permission to evolve and change. And surrounding ourselves with people who welcome that and and accept us that way and knowing mm -hmm. that you you may also find yourself in places where when you do evolve and change and you share that with people there are going to be some people that that's going to rub them the wrong way and um and it may feel uncomfortable so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i want to share something that i love your acronym uh something that i learned from a a, a wonderful coach named rick clemens he's uh, called the coming out coach and he taught me the four c's so in terms of coming out. So the first one is to get curious, you know, am I polyamorous? Am I not polyamorous? Mm -hmm. Then having the courage to first admit it to yourself and then the courage maybe to, to talk about it eventually with other people. Having that confidence when mm -hmm. you are sharing it from a place of inner strength and you've already maybe made that identity claim, so to speak. And then the fourth C is the commitment. This, this is who mm -hmm. I'm to this process. I'm committed to my evolution. I'm committed to walking the path. And that can give a lot of powerful why for, for moving forward. And a quote I love to share that is great about the concept of coming out. This is by Jonathan Fields, who I've seen speak live. He says, before you can be unapologetically joyful, you got to be unapologetically you. And I love that quote. And it, it also speaks so to everything good. we're talking about first you have to figure out who you are in that moment because again it might not be who you were 10 years ago and then you can start to move into a place of joy inside and then out with people who can have that joy with you mm -hmm. i surrender to your will <laughs> that's awesome i love it yeah that's so so good um all right so so we're we're attacking this from the perspective of the person that's coming out and they're coming out to somebody who is very important to them, somebody who they have been in a committed relationship with for months or years or who knows how long. Um, what do we say to that partner? What, what, what can we, what would you say if you had both of them in your room, in, 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 in your office, uh, you know, you're talking to one of them. And what do you say to the other partner about how to view this new information? For the, the partner who it is new information? Yeah. Yeah. The partner yeah. that they're coming out to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of times when I'm working with with couples, oftentimes, one thing I walk them through is is a, sometimes a Socratic exercise of um, it, from coming at it from a couple different angles. One is, do you believe and do you understand that as human beings over time we may we may evolve and change? So mm -hmm. similar to what we've been talking about, and usually as we have that discussion, 
they will understand, yes, of course, our, our values can change over our lives, our preferences can change. And we might have a, a talk about also consent around that, like in terms of like consent can change too. So coming from that place of autonomy as well as self-acceptance and an acceptance um, also of who they're in relationship to. So meaning, you know, there's a possibility that you might be in a relationship with somebody who is evolving and changing. Mm -hmm. You know, can you, can you see that? And can you accept that that's a possibility? And so that's a place that I might go first. And then another place I, I take people to is oftentimes I'll ask them, hey, do you have anyone in your life who is possibly gay? And in this mm -hmm. day and age, we all, we all tend to have somebody in our lives that, that are right. gay. And that can be a place that people easily understand that maybe that person when they were young might have had some confusion about what their identity was, whether, you know, their sexual identity. And that I've had friends in my life who didn't come out until, say, their 30s. Um, mm -hmm. I actually had a client who didn't come out as bisexual until he was 58 years old. So. Wow. It's a perfect example of how we can evolve and change. So we might have a conversation around that too, that um, you know, there's other ways that people identify. So um, you know, sometimes people can identify as monogamous for a large portion of their life. I'm one of them. But now in my later life, I'm 52 now, now I identify as polyamorous. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like I'll walk them through that thought experiment of that people can evolve and change and kind of lay that fertile ground um, that their, their partner is, has evolved and changed and they've done a lot of work. And also this can be uh, vulnerable. It's a vulnerable sharing. Mm. It, uh, it's a it's a way that they're exposing themselves. So for the person that they're telling it to, to also have the empathy that their partner is, is sharing something in a vulnerable way, in a courageous way, that um, they may have all the feels around it. They may right. be nervous yeah. about what the reaction's gonna be. And to both parties to understand that this is, this is possibly their relationship wanting to go deeper. It's it's a, a connection conversation, hopefully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's also a conversation around acceptance and possibly moving through fear because you don't know where it's going to go. So it's also possibly um, an allowing, an allowing of being possibly detached from the outcome, but also creating more possibly more intimacy and that there's a trust here. You're, you're saying something that's uh, in a vulnerable way to mm -hmm. someone you love and that you trust them with this information. And you still don't have any guarantee of how that outcome is going to be, which is right. what makes it so scary. Right. Um, yeah. Knowing that yeah, it's, absolutely. It's no, moment. For sure. And I mean, that, that, that was what, what I was thinking about too, is that it is, a place of trust, you know, that we're, uh, when that coming out is happening, it's, it's okay. Like I trust you and I love you and I want to bring this to you. And I'm, and I'm trusting that you're going to listen and, you know, not just push me away, but, you know, going back to, you know, trying to relate it to, well, you know, somebody who's gay or lesbian or whatever, right. You know, somebody who's, who's, uh, and they might say, well, yeah, I know them, but like, I'm not getting involved in that. Like, that's not for me. And so if they have that kind of a reaction, I, I mean, I, I don't know that we're necessarily ever going to be trying to convince anybody, mm -hmm. right? I don't think that that's what we would be 
pushing. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, the way I, I view it, and this is where I think that confidence in yourself, the person who's identifying as consensually non-monogamous or polyamorous, it's important for them to work through it on their own first so that mm -hmm. they have that inner strength so that even if there is a negative reaction, they know that they're still going to be okay. You know, mm -hmm. um, maybe they've worked through and have other support people in their corner in case it, it doesn't go very well. And this mm -hmm. I think, is also where consent comes in because when something has changed, right? So something has inherently changed in that relationship that it may not work out, right? Because um, right. we withdraw our consent at any time. So maybe mm -hmm. um, the partner who identifies as monogamous, or they might be thinking and, and be in a space where when this is a monogamous person to a monogamous person, I'm all on board. But now that that's changed, I don't know if I'm on board anymore. Right. And, and that's their their right, right? That That's their, mm -hmm. um, their autonomy to... Mm -hmm move through that and they may not know that right away. So they may need some space, they may need some time and they may want to have ask some questions, but also in that very moment, they may not have the questions yet. Um, they may be shocked. So, right. um, so kind of creating that, that space and having care, like some tips I give people is to choose the timing very wisely um, mm -hmm. to, think through from a place of empathy when when are we both in a good place to have this conversation will we not be interrupted um and then when you share that information to create some space in the conversation like literally so that um the person can kind of absorb it for a moment and create some space to have some questions and you can also say hey i, I know you may not have any questions right now but i i want you to know that i'm i'm here for you and when mm -hmm. you are ready with questions i'm i want you to know that i'm i'm here to answer them in the best way to that i that i know how and the other tip i give people is to share the person who's speaking about their their polyamorous identity to do it with a joyful heart to try and come at it from that place of positive energy. Like I love who I am and I'm feeling happy about who I am. And, and I love you too. And I hope that you can accept this new information about me while I'm also giving you space to have your own thoughts and feelings around it. And the last bit of advice I like to give people is to have an open mind to realize that um, sometimes we don't give people enough credit. So, um, so maybe it might be a wonderful conversation. It might be a conversation where you come to a, a deeper understanding of each other, whether that relationship goes on or even if it doesn't go on, but to keep an open mind because from that energy, you can more positively influence the outcome. Whereas if the person who's sharing comes from fear and anxiety and, oh my gosh, this is going to go horrible. You know, if you have that energy, it's, it's kind of not a great place to have that, that conversation. if that makes sense. It totally does. And it, it really takes some, some fortitude to be able to, uh, and, and it might take some, some time to get to a point where the person coming out is going to be okay to realize that they're going to be okay, no matter which direction uh, the re the relationship takes after that. Um, I wanted to, to kind of throw some situations by you uh, and, and see what you think. Uh, let's say if we are planning a trip and it's going to be a long drive, let's say it's a six hour drive to somewhere, who knows where, wherever's 
six hours away. Is that a good time to tell my partner? I would say I would have some pause on that because that means that one person is driving, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So, so I would say, and I've, I've done this mistake. So learn from my mistakes. Uh, I was actually in a car. I wasn't even the one driving. I was in the passenger seat and I told a friend of mine about that I was identified as polyamorous over the phone. And mm -hmm. it ended up not being a good situation doing it over the phone versus face to face mm -hmm. where I could read their body language and I could have a lot more empathy for what how this landed for them because they actually mm -hmm. got shocked and were actually a little bit angry um, in the, that moment. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I wasn't driving, thankfully, but if I was driving, that would not have been a good situation if it didn't go well. So um, I would so say maybe driving not. I would say not 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 while driving. I would say is not a good time to do it. Um, more okay. when it have some uninterrupted space, and you can read each other's body language and see each other in the eye, and you can you know pause and and be able to have some physical contact if that helps mm -hmm. one or both of you to feel safe or to like creating a safe container for the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but also to trust your instincts. So I'm just telling you also from, from my own um, experience, but safety means also the physical safety. So that's also what I mean about if one of you is driving, like that might not be the safest time to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that too. Uh, so the other thing is, is when somebody hears the words, we need to talk, that's like, oh crap, something not good. So mm -hmm. what's a good way to approach this conversation? And that's a that's a great question. So I think coming from that place of keeping an open mind and coming at it from a from a joyful heart, one of the ways that my husband and I would tell people is we would make sure that we were in a good place. We've mm -hmm. also practiced ahead of time, like we practice like our elevator speech. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing that however you're going to say it is the best Emmy award winning speech of all time <laughs> having that kind of energy around it. And it only has to be a couple sentences, but the introduction uh, I like to say to try and not have it seem like it's this anxiety producing fearful conversation. Mm. So a little bit more, and this, this can also come with practice trying to come from the energy of joyfulness and also a little bit of, it depends on the person you're talking to, right? So trust your intuition. But if you can have that energy of matter of factness um, and and joy. So, you know, there's something that I've come to realize about myself. I've done a lot of introspection and I've even, even done some, some research around this. But there's something um, joyful that I would love to share with you. Are you in a good space to have that kind of a conversation? So I would, I would add in asking permission to have the conversation, but coming from that that positive place, so you're you're creating a, a nice framework for it. And also another way to frame it is um, there's something about myself that I want to share with you because you're really important to me. So mm. you're reminding that person that they have a special place in your life, and that's why you want to share this. So it's just another way to kind of create a beautiful framework for the conversation to help influence as positive of an outcome as you can. Knowing at the end of the day, you can't control the reaction, but you can create a fertile environment for it to at least go as, as positively as, as you can make it. 
it's all about the framing. If you if we're approaching it in like, hey, I got to tell you something, as opposed to hey, there's something I really want to tell you about myself, and it's it's the mm-hmm. energy around it, it. Yeah, absolutely speaks volumes. I love it. I love it. All <laughs> right, Katie. There's uh two last things that I want to ask you. Um, first of all. First of all, you know what? Thank you. Like, this has been super, super enlightening. This has been a, a, a great conversation. I hope that uh, our listener who asked this question uh, has gotten all of their questions answered. Um, and, you know, I want to ask you really quickly if there's anything else, any last tidbits that you might want to leave uh, with with that person, uh, you know, and, and any final thoughts around this idea of coming out, whether it's to romantic partners or family, friends, anybody else? Yes, I would say if the coming out process doesn't go well and to know that the more people, the more you step into your truth and you live your most authentic lives and the more people you share this information with, it's pretty much inevitable that at, at, at some point it's not going to go well. So, mm-hmm. um, so to mentally prepare for that, uh, some advice I would say is number one, to be your own best friend and to really give yourself that, that self-love and that, that self-compassion. And one way to frame, well, I'll tell about, talk about that in a, in a moment. Then the second thing I would say is to create the space to practice some self-care. So whether self-care looks like, taking a bubble bath or going and getting a massage or talking to somebody who you know has your back and really accepts you for who you are, whatever self-care looks like for you to give yourself permission and and also take active steps to get that self-care if it doesn't go well. And then the, the third is to reframe it in some way. So we can frame or, or talk about or give meaning to an experience in a way that, that disempowers us, or we can give it a meaning that empowers us. So mm-hmm. if say a coming out doesn't go well, um, you can think to yourself or ask yourself the question, what, even though this was a challenging conversation, what, what's a gift or something beautiful that I can take away from this conversation? Or what did I learn from that experience that I can take into the next conversation or I can take into tomorrow? Or what muscle did I build? Did I learn more resilience? Do I feel like I'm now a stronger person? Do I have more conviction maybe about who I am? Um, and that can be another way to reframe it. And maybe the last bit of advice would be that sometimes the way people react to know in your heart that sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Um, so mm-hmm. I love this quote from Dr. Seuss that I like to share sometimes, which is be who you are and say what you feel because of the, those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. So, you know, to yep. also kind of trust your instincts about who you, you invite into your life, who you keep into your life. And that can really be a beautiful thing as well. Love, love, love all of that. Thank you so much. Uh, The last thing that I wanted to ask you, you've done so much. You've got your book. You do coaching. uh, You are uh, the Relationship Equality Foundation. Uh, Tell me a little bit about all of those things and also where people can find you uh, to work with you on any of those projects. Sure, yes. The 
the Relationship Equality Foundation, that website is, um, I don't have it memorized, but I, I think it's ref.org or something very close to it. And they're an amazing organization that you can donate to, helping create more awareness and understanding that there is more than one healthy way to be in a relationship, including consensual non-monogamy and, and polyamory and different types of open relationships. They, I know that they do accept donations. I'm also part of the American Psychology Association Division 44 Committee on Consensual Non-Monogamy. It's a great organization that I, I volunteer my time with, and they're amazing. And they are also creating awareness as well as um, more understanding in say um, mental health and how people who are a minority are looking to get um, health services and creating more opportunity there. And in terms of how to find my work, the best way to do that is to go to my main website, which is lovingwithoutboundaries.com. There you can find my podcast, my blog, as well as if you are struggling, there is a, a masterclass that is free that you can watch in terms of if you're struggling with challenging emotions such as jealousy or guilt or shame about living your most authentic life. There's also an opportunity if you want to simply book a call with me. So I'll just leave it with that if there is anybody who is struggling out there to just know that you don't have to struggle alone and that there, there is places that you can get help and to know that that is out there in, in a really beautiful way and to, to reach out. And there's no shame in reaching out when you do need help so that you can live your best and your most authentic life. Perfect, 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 perfect. Um, gosh, I, I, wanna, I don't want to out our guest, but she did leave a comment and said, uh, thank you both so much. This was so helpful. So thank you. Uh, Kitty, so very much for spending some time with me today. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, I just wanted to really quickly ask uh, the Relationship Equality Foundation and the Chapter 44 of APA. Is that yeah, what it was? Uh, the APA Division 44 Committee Consensual Non-Monogamy. Mm -hmm. Just out of curiosity, are they involved with uh, things like, um, what's the other one? It was the Le Legal Advocacy... Uh, polyamory legal advocacy co uh, can't remember what the c word is um anyway there are are they involved with things like uh what ha what's going on in Somerville Massachusetts and and uh, actively working to get laws passed and and rights uh you know um recognition all that kind of stuff i would say they're uh not directly involved but they definitely um have their hands in in research and supporting those causes as mm -hmm. well as creating awareness around that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. All righty, Kitty. Well, thank you again so very much. Really, really appreciate uh, the time that you spent with us today. It has been an absolute honor. I really do hope this conversation helped a lot of your listeners and thank you so much for having me on. It's been incredible talking to you and I've loved every minute of it. Thank you so much.
Thank you, thank you. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday right here, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. Thank you all, as always, for tuning tuning in and until next time have a nice day thank you for tuning in to the practicing polyamory podcast would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation please support us by subscribing liking and following us on social media at practicing polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicing polya